0: And the so- chill. hello there. Yeah, we're open, come in. I know it's late, but here at the wandering eye we only close for Christmas, or birthdays, or that time we had those rats chew through the skirting board and set up home. Lucky for us, someone's python recently gotten loose, came right down the pipes to us, sorted out our rat problem alright. Though if you do hear hissing or, uh, the slithering of a heavy body against floorboard, maybe avoid that corner of the shop for a while, yeah? We've called it Maurice, after Meg's great-great-grandfather. Oh, no, he, he wasn't a snake charmer. He was bitten by a viper whilst hunting for toadstools in the south of France. Of course, if you ask his wife, he got what he deserved. She'd sent him out there to gather a particular kind of fungus, which would have killed him as soon as she'd powdered it and slipped it into his drink anyway. I must say, you do look freezing. Oh, why, you're soaked through. How have I only just noticed what a numpty I am. You're shaking like a leaf. Meg? Yeah? Can you stick the kettle on? I've got a customer here who looks like they're about halfway to hypothermic. No problem. Right. Shoes off. There we go. They'll dry off in no time next to the fire. Have a seat there. My colleague Meg will be through shortly with a nice steaming cuppa. You really are shivering quite hard. Are you sure it's only the cold that's got to you? It is awfully dark out at this time, and there's no street lights to be found around here. Makes the windows look as though you might be staring out into space. If I didn't know Meg was such a dab hand with a shovel, I'd probably be frightened too. So, what brings you here at this time? It doesn't seem much like you're looking to browse. No offence. Perhaps you're running from something. I'd say you've certainly had a fright. After all, there are all sorts of things hiding right out there in the dark. None quite so scary as other people though, I suppose. You look like you need a blanket. Back in a tick.
1: Here you go. Where's Jasper gotten to? Blankets? Yeah, I suppose that's a good idea. I'll keep you company until he comes back, eh? There's quite a lot in here that you probably wouldn't really want to be left alone with. That's one of the reasons we're always in the shop, actually. Someone has to keep an eye on the, uh, <clears throat> goings on. Anyway. Uh, I'd ask what's brought you here, but most people who turn up to a mysterious curio in the middle of the night looking scared out of their wits probably want to keep themselves to themselves, right? Well, feel free to stay as long as you like. Lord knows we have. Mind you, some people like being scared out of their wits. Though, usually, the fear is manufactured by fiction, like when you watch a horror film. At least part of the thrill comes from the fact that you can watch it in the safety and comfort of your own home. Watching a crazed maniac chasing characters wearing a mask made of someone's face and actually getting chased by a maniac are two very different things. In our part of the world where we're mostly removed from the grislier parts of life, I suppose it's no wonder we go searching for a scare every now and then. But a creepy film or ghost story just doesn't do it for some. They're looking for an experience like no other, for the boundary of their safety to be pushed so far that they may start to question whether this was still their choice. I'm of course talking about haunted houses, ghostly hayrides, zombie runs and all those other kind of creepy things a lot of people seem to enjoy. Normally this kind of thing pops up around Halloween, But it seems that in recent years, people's appetite for fear is no longer being confined to the spookiest month of the year. In America, it's reported that between $300 and $500 million per person is spent every year on haunted house tickets. That's mental. Spread across approximately 4,500 haunted attractions, this is an industry that seems to be growing bigger and bigger each year. The top-rated haunted attraction in America is the 13th Gate, a haunted house in Louisiana. If you take a look at their website, they boast 13 nightmarish trials where your worst fears come true. Some of these include a lifelike pirate ship, a recreation of the streets of Whitechapel where the Ripper once roamed, zombie-infested graveyards, and even an abandoned asylum. Essentially, if you have a fear that you want to face, they've got you covered. But it might not be as easy to brush under the only-applicable-to-those-weirdos-who-like-being-scared rug as you might think. According to author Peter Laws in his book The Frighteners, one that I'm a huge fan of by the way, Relief can be powerful enough to turn such an obviously negative experience as pain into a sensation that is comforting or even enjoyable. That is to say, we feel the fear, we get the adrenaline buzz, but it's not really real and we know it can't hurt us. And our obsession with all things scary seems to back up that idea. Frankenstein and Dracula are recognised as literary classics across the world. In Hollywood, black and white monster movies established our love for horror even before talkies had swept the floor with silent films. If you haven't seen Nosferatu, it's certainly an experience. And the cabinet of Dr. Caligari will have you puzzled for days. But not only do we seek out scary flicks and an evening of being chased around a farm by a pack of shuffling zombies, we obsess over their very scary and real counterparts. Wherever you turn nowadays, TV, books, podcasts, like this one, you'll find someone talking about or looking into true crime. Whether it's crimes of the past, or keeping up with current news stories unfolding, Many of us have a story or a murder that haunts us, that stays in our mind long after we've researched it. Now naturally, this gets the gears turning in the heads of those who work in the attractions business. Walk down the Royal Mile in Edinburgh on any given day and you'll pass half a dozen tour guides not to mention the low-budget booth for the Edinburgh Dungeons and someone holding a banner for the official tour of Mary King's Clothes. There are many tours in London which will lead you through Whitechapel or following the bloody path left by Spring-Heeled Jack. And of course, across the world, there are guides dedicated to showing you the hunting grounds and haunts of notorious serial killers. We all have our own idea of what counts as too scary or pushing the fear envelope too far. But there are some, as ever, who seek to scare beyond what we deem appropriate. And of course, it's always the seemingly most ordinary of us, the wolves in sheep's clothing, you might say, who are often the ones that we need to watch out for. McKamey Manor is one of those places, a house of horrors masquerading as a suburban family home. Oh, I think I can hear Jasper coming back with those blankets. I'll uh, I'll get out of your way, but you know, do give me a shout if you need anything else, alright? <laughs> okay.
0: Hello, back again. Oh, she did, did she? Nice of Meg to keep you company. I suppose she's gone back to the storeroom. Yes, well, stock inventory isn't glamorous, but it's got to be done. We got a shipment of poisonous dart frog tadpoles the other day. They're wriggly now, but it's much easier to count them while you can still touch them, you know? I'll just pop the blankets here for you. Apologies for taking so long. I always seem to forget where the airing cupboard door is. I'm sure it's at the end of the hallway upstairs, but every time I go to get something, I seem to forget what I'm doing. There's always that annoying whispering trying to get me to go up to the attic as well, but really, it's wasting its time. I couldn't help but overhear Meg mention McKamey Manor though a haunted house with a bit of a difference. I suppose it's one thing to want to be scared by ghosts and ghouls, and another entirely to be kidnapped and waterboarded. <laughs> you look horrified. Well, I suppose it is rather horrifying. You see, Mekemi Manor isn't an old plantation or a, a crumbling farmhouse not the gutted remains of a gothic mansion filled with masked actors waiting behind the doorway to scare you, either. No, it's… something quite… other. Depending on who you are and, well, who you ask. The goings-on inside McKamey Manor are either depraved and inhumane, or the biggest rush you'll ever have, the greatest sense of achievement you'll ever feel. The challenge everyone who enters the manor is faced with is seemingly simple. Last eight hours. The manor draws in people from all walks of life, from beauticians to cage fighters, but so far, no one's succeeded. Inside the manor, there is no safe word, and nothing is too extreme. In the name of survival horror, those who wish to try their luck may be subjected to having their heads shaved, possibly consuming their own vomit, and being stuck in a coffin filled with... tarantulas. Not my cup of tea. Whatever horrors the guest is put through are decided by the volunteer actors who run the experience. That's right, volunteer. McKamey Manor is a non-profit, even with a supposed 27,000 long waitlist just to get in. And if you're looking to sign up and test your metal, then the only price to pay is a few tins of dog food for McCamey's dogs. So, what's the story behind this nightmare house? Well, Russ McCamey describes his survival house of horrors as a safe release for everything that happens in the world. He claims it was opened in a response to people becoming so desensitized to grisly movies they need something even more extreme in order to gain an emotional release. Where some might recognise a need for a therapist, others, it seems, will prefer to face their fears head on. Except this experience may be doing more in the way of creating trauma than resolving it. As a testament to this, if you google Makami Manor, the fifth search option that appears is a petition to shut the manor down and the one after that is entitled Victim Speaks Out. There is video footage featuring the victim, Amy Milligan, in various states of distress, soaking wet. But McKamey argues that the pages long waiver each challenger signs before being kidnapped and taken to the manor covers all of this. He claims that everything the volunteer actors carry out is psychological. Bizarrely psychological trauma, as opposed to pain of the physical kind, seems to be considered by McCamey to be safe. The reviews on Google are particularly strange. They tend to be an odd mix of uh, cheerful countenance and disturbing content, mentions of fingers being cut off and force-fed to their owner, or even another guest. It's unclear whether these are meant as jokes irony or serious reviews. Since everyone who partakes in McCamey's House of Horrors signs the waiver, the practice is considered legal. But how much harm should one be able to sign away on? Those who most extremely oppose the manner claim it to be a torture chamber in disguise. The petition claims reports of sexual assault and forced drug usage, but the people who put themselves through it don't seem to be willing to speak out. Whether that's because these claims are true or not, is left unclear. The video footage Russ McCamey releases seemingly serves to taunt those who find it uncomfortable as much as it is an advert for the manor itself. Before the McCamey Manor team get going, Russ calls the police to let them know that there's a show going on and asks that no one shoots him. Footage then shows unlucky volunteers being verbally degraded before they are chucked into the back of a van and escorted to the manor where the terror really starts. Perhaps you think this is taking the horror genre too far, or maybe it's the ultimate culmination of a society desensitised to slasher movie franchises and beheadings that can be watched at the click of a button. But I suppose fear looks different on everyone. There's a reason Russ McCamey has been run out of one state already, and maybe on his way to being run out of another. I've just realised, you've got tea, but no biscuits. Right, back in a sec. Hey Meg? Yeah? Can you watch the shop for a moment?
1: No problem.
0: All right, chocolate or orange? Both? Coming right up.
1: Hello again. I see you've warmed up a bit. Oh, on the shelf there. Yeah, it's a crystal ball. Gorgeous, isn't it? Very Madame Leota. You know, if you gaze close enough, you might just see your own future. Though, don't look too close. You might go cross-eyed. Or blind. All I ever seem to see is my own reflection. And that strange shadow behind me. Anyway, I couldn't help overhearing Jasper telling you all about McKamey Manor. Personally, it's not for me. I prefer a classic haunted attraction. Gotta love those budget ghost rides, am I right? Or actually, my favourite is Disney's very own Haunted Mansion. Have you ever been? Oh it's great. You've seen the film though right? With Eddie Murphy? It's certainly not the best film but it's worth a watch. Did you know it was made long after the attraction was? The Haunted Mansion itself was debuted in 1969 while the film wasn't released until 2003. The mansion itself was based on a grand old Baltimore home called the shipley Lydecker House. During development one of Disney's Imagineers came across an unlabeled image of the house in a book called Decorative Art of Victoria's Era. A grand stately home, with its domineering Roman pillars and grand balconies, which gaped open like the mouths of the moaning dead, the shipley lidecker House was made to be haunted. Unfortunately, the real mansion was demolished in 1967, just before the debut of Disney's new attraction. But thanks to the Imagineers, the distinctive design of this beautiful home is still admired today, 52 years after its demolition. The success of the Haunted Mansion ride has spread across Disney parks all over the world. Tokyo has its own, which opened in 1983, and Paris is home to the Phantom Manor. Hong Kong boasts the mystic manor, with the soundtrack scored by Danny Elfman. Some of you know him as the composer who worked on the music for The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's a favourite of ours here at the Curio. At the original Haunted Mansion, you'll find 999 ghostly figures ready to give you a good scare. And although it's overrun with Disney's signature campiness and style there are some stories which show a darker side to the infamous ride. Rumours began during the construction of the Haunted Mansion. The facade sat in New Orleans Square, where the ride is now situated, for nine years during the preparations. Stories began to leak that a member of staff had been scared to death while testing the ride. This supposedly resulted in the creators having to rethink the design to give it a more comical edge so as to avoid any more fatalities. We're not sure on the validity of this urban legend, but maybe the crystal ball will shed some light. We'll ask it later. For a long time, there was a story going around that the spellbook on Madame Leota's table was a genuine, centuries-old, Grimoire filled with recipes for potions and poisons. Members of the cast and other employees have claimed to see the book move on its own, which would be one hell of a trick. Though, if you are interested in a book that'll move on its own, do check out the bookshelf at the back of our shop. I'll dig the key out and you can have a flip through. Don't let your eye wander though, they're very fast. Once you've got them trained well though, the books can be extremely helpful, especially if you've got your hands full already with the cauldron, and all your ingredients are trying to make a run for it. Now, something that we know for sure is that year after year, people who are dying request that their ashes be strewn in the haunted mansion grounds. Though this is, of course, against Disney's rules and probably the law as it is private property. Other than it being a nuisance to sweep up, there is no adverse effect. There are those who claim that the ashes are hazardous to the guests. However, unless you're particularly asthmatic, there's really nothing to be worried about. Ashes have been put through such high heat that no biological material, not even DNA, remains. So there's nothing that can hurt you. But like I said, if you're visiting, it might be best to have your inhaler ready. And, you know, really, doesn't a little more dust just add to the spooky atmosphere? I'm pretty sure I can hear Jasper coming back. Can you hear that? Maybe it's those footsteps I've been hearing all week. I can't work out where they're coming from. I'm pretty sure it's Jasper, though. I'll leave you to it. Don't go staring into that crystal ball for too long. It becomes rude after a while, and... You know, it has been known to take offence. Anyway, you may not like what stares back.
0: Right, here we go. Chocolate and orange biscuits. Just Miss Meg, didn't I? Ah, well. It's not as if we're trapped in here and I see her every day or anything. Well... Looks like your shoes have dried off a bit. No pressure to leave, though. It's still awfully dark out there. Wouldn't want you getting lost. Of course... Well, that does beg the question of how you got here. You weren't looking for us, were you? No. (laughs) Well... I suppose no one ever really is. People just sort of seem to turn up out of the blue. Or <laughs> black, as it were, when they need to. We do just seem to pick up strays. That jogs something in my memory. Sometimes I wonder how I got here. Oh well, those are the big questions I suppose and there's no time to think on that when there's work to be done. I get a headache every time I do try to think about it, anyway. Well, you're off then. There's no rush, like I said. Well, of course, I'm sure you've got somewhere to be. Even at this late hour. Or is it early now? Well, before you go, though, I must plug this fantastic book I read recently. It's called Eat Me, A Natural and Unnatural History of Cannibalism by Bill Shute. He's a zoologist, you see goes into some very interesting details about cannibalism in the animal kingdom before he ever starts talking about it in People. He doesn't cover the criminal stuff though. More, um... anthropological and uh, sociological cannibalism. Even political cannibalism, though... I'm not sure that's ever really stopped. Oh... yes Oh, of course, oh my, you are in a hurry. Your coat's here, and your hat. Er, uh, do be sure to stop in again if you get lost. We're always here for anyone needing a light in the dark. Just... look for the sign. If the Wandering Eye winks at you, you'll know you found us. Wandering Eye Curios is brought to you by myself, Jasper Chanter, and my co host Meg James. The podcast is scripted and performed by both of us and produced by me. Music is scored and performed by Amy Marianne, with lyrics by myself. Our intro song, for better or worse, is sung by us. Find us on Instagram at Eye Curios and over on Twitter at WonderingI Pod. Stay spooky, friends. Until next time.
1: Up and down the Royal Mile in Edinburgh on any given day, and you'll pass Have a d- <laughs>